0: Hi, this is John Powers, and you're listening to the Lake Forest
1: Podcast. Welcome to the Lake Forest Podcast, a podcast about the lovely city of Lake Forest, featuring topics like local news, sports, music, people, and food. My name is Pete, and I'm joined with the voice of the Lake Forest Scouts football and basketball Scoo Walker. How you doing, Scoo? Doing good on Christmas Eve, Pete. Merry Christmas, everyone. Today we have a special guest, John Powers. But before we get to John, we have a sponsor for the show. Shark Guy Beach Fishing is the premier South Florida beach fishing experience on a longboat key Florida SKU. that's skew. That's by Tampa Bay. Their world's renowned captains not only put you on the fish, but they'll help you and your family make a memory of a lifetime. Check them out on Facebook or at sharkguybeachfishing.com to schedule an outing. Shark Guy is your guy for your next charter. Hey, we'd also like to uh, thank our Patreon supporters. Reverend Luke, back from the Church of the Holy Spirit. I'm getting worse at that. Matt A., Elizabeth B., Costa, Lance, and Domo Origato Atto. All right, John, John Powers. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thanks, guys. Welcome I
0: appreciate her. it. Merry Christmas.
1: Michael, so, well, how- How do you know uh, John?
2: known John for a while, just on the street, uh, I believe through a bunch of friends and all that. So, yeah, it's uh, been a while. Yeah, you know,
1: it's true. It goes way.
0: So I and Johnny, we're the same age. And I grew up in like bluff as a kid, but I was a St. Mary's kid, Uh um, but grew up next to Jenny Gummery, Bobby Fitzgerald, you know, the Glens, The Glens and so that's how I got connected with Johnny and then you and I as probably when, when my wife and I moved back in town is when we got more connected now it's like 27 years ago through Lenny Torelli and Joe Nolan and you know that crew so, so mention, is that Megan
2: no different oh,
0: different one and then our Saturday morning runs we always right. come across you and Pam as you're on your walk so there's I was
2: you guys first. running all around town
0: yeah, we try.
1: It's more like a shuffle these days. I think. <laughs> so, John, how'd you find the podcast? Uh... You know what? One of my buddies, on
0: I run with a handful of guys, five or six of us every Saturday, and we started talking about it. So typically we get into all kinds of conversations. And it was right at the start of the football season, I think, or maybe it was the Good. end of the spring season. My friend Steve Hill is like, hey, have you got dialed into the podcast yet? And I said, no, I didn't know anything about it. And, you know, the whole summer went by before I had one of those. Well, I have lots of sleepless nights from time to time, but dialed in the podcast and I started listening to it. And, you know, not only did I find it entertaining, I think it's just a great community service. You guys were spending a lot of time talking about the caucus on some of the podcasts. And Pete, I think it was one of your ideas that the minute the caucus identifies a candidate that to invite them on to be one of the guests where, you know, you get more of a grassroots approach or understanding or question and answer about who the volunteers are. Um, right. And then I just kept rolling through them, I, you know, and obviously there's a lot going on with the school. And, you know, I had the privilege to serve on both, you know, the caucus years ago, I think I was like, 2003 through 2006 on the caucus. And then I did the school board from 2013 to 2017, District 115. Um, so I just connected to a lot of the themes that you guys were hitting on. And I found it very entertaining and interesting all at the same time.
1: Well, John, we we thank you for the kind words. Now, uh, w- what's your background? Uh, 27 years, Lake Bluff, Lake Forest. And-
0: I'm the most mediocre guy ever, C-plus student. You know, extraordinaire. Um, but I started, you know, just going back, I grew up in Lake Bluff, as I said, from 69 to 79, went all through St. Mary's through, you know, grade school, junior high. My family moved to Nina, Wisconsin for high school. So we moved away. So that was a little bit of a culture shock. I went to St. Mary's Central High School up in Nina. I uh, did my undergrad down at Mizzou. I started my sales job with Scott Paper Company in 1988 in Detroit. Uh, I met my wife in 1990 in Grand Rapids, Michigan. So we just had our 30-year wedding anniversary. Wow, congrats. Um, thank you. And I have two adult kids. My, my daughter, Sydney, is 24. She went through the high school. She did St. Mary's in the high school. And my son, Jack, is finishing up his senior year down at Mizzou. And he did the St. Mary's, you know, Lake Forest High School thing as well. So, you know, the, it's a great community. And, one, you know, one of the things that um, you guys have touched on is the talent within our community is fantastic. And it's just finding it. Right. And oftentimes it, it requires a one on one connection. Right. It's 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 the handshake. It's the coffee conversation. Yeah. It's getting people to start feeling more comfortable about volunteering because as you guys pointed out, I mean, the caucus only works if you get the people that are willing to do it. And when I say do it, it isn't just showing up at the meetings. It's like doing the work and investing in, you know, truly trying to find the best people to sit on boards and commissions. And, you know, I talked to countless people, um, every year about you know it's an old boys network and it's you know it's a bunch of guys drinking scotch in the basement of the church of the holy spirit and all those things that aren't true um it may have it may have started that way years ago but the most simplest form is it's it's community members volunteering their time to find people that are willing to volunteer their time it's that simple um and it, you know, it ha- like anything these days, it's, it's got a tendency to have a political edge to it, right? Everyone's kind of leaning one way or the other. But the most important thing is to try to eliminate that. Scoo, I think you said in one of your past recordings, um, I, I never once, and I think your message was the same, ever gotten any kind of political discussion while serving on the caucus or quite frankly, any other commission that I've served on, you know, throughout the, throughout the, the city. Um, it just, it's never really come up. I think that's probably more of a, you know, 2020, 2021 kind of phenomenon that's kind of emerged because everybody has such strong feelings one way or the other on certain issues. Right.
2: Yeah. And I think it's, you know, all three of us serving on the caucus at some point in time, I think it's, um, uh, it's tough to do the job and find people. But when those people do raise their hands, and I mean, it, it, we need to find, or the caucus needs to find spots for those people, not try to push them away. And because that, that's the key. I mean, if you got people wanting, wanting to volunteer and commit their time, God, we got to find a spot and not kind of say, you know, do you, are you qualified for this or that?
0: I totally agree. And, you know, we've gotten away from the individual volunteer to now, let me, let's find four people that can corner the board. Right. Which I also think is a little dysfunctional. And oh, yeah. And and especially these last two rounds of elections, school board wise, 67 and 115. And I I had some really spirited conversations with some good friends of mine, um, some of who were running. um, And I kind of said, look, okay, so let's say you all get elected. What are you going to do? So now now you've got four votes out of the seven. But guess what? We've already hired the principal. You have a new superintendent. And so, are you going to fire the principal? Right? Because as a sitting board member at 115, you have three responsibilities, right? You, you approve the tax levy, you hire and fire the superintendent, and you approve all expenditures over $25,000. Far, it's far from glamorous, right? And I think a lot of people, well, I shouldn't say that, a handful of people have decided, oh, I'm going to get on the board. I'm going to be able to do a lot of you know, meaningful agenda driving things. And it's, it's not really like that. It's a hell of a lot less sexy than people think. Um, and it's a governance board. It's not a management board. And that's, that's the other thing that I think creates a lot of friction within the community is that you, you, you don't understand that you're not managing in the details. And, and where that becomes problematic is if you're not educated on those details, and you don't know what's going on, it's hard to get that information, right? I think Jen Hermes, who runs, you know, she runs the business aspect and finance aspect. She's a water walker. I mean, I loved working with Jen because she would answer all the questions. She'd give you the information, even in context, right? Above and beyond what you needed to know. And it created a much better dialogue. And it was easier to have, you know, conversations about what's going on because I, I led the finance and operations committee uh, for a couple of years. And, you know, you really rely on people like Jen and her extended staff to help educate you on truly what you need to know, because otherwise you don't ever find it.
2: And I've always kind of said, I don't know if you would agree with this or have an opinion on it, John, but I've always kind of said, you know, the, the caucus, it's great for the boards and commissions, but the school boards are really elected and particularly the high school board it crosses over with Lake Bluff. So should it? Should the majority of those people be coming from through the caucus or should there be an ind- independent group that kind of overall looks at all three communities and who's the best person to be on the board? Because you really get it slanted if you, like you said, you're coming from an angle where the caucus is putting a majority of the um, members on the school board. Now, I know they have staggered elections, but Maybe that's the this is the time where it needs to be kind of separated.
0: Yeah, I, well, so let's think. It's it's as, as far as the three of us know, right? It starts at the ward level, right? Which is insignificant when it comes to school board or mayor, right? Right, because the ward, you know, it's a great grassroots approach. If you're looking, if you're looking at library board or cemetery board. Okay, great. Let's have equal representation from the wards on those particular commissions. But when it's truly, you know, when you get to the high school, it's no Lake Bluff and Lake Forest. And we've always had this ping-ponging back and forth about there should always be, you know, we only get two Lake Bluff members or there needs to be at least two Lake Bluff members. Um, And, you know, honestly, we went through a situation, I think, when Sally Davis came on the board, um, which was kind of an appoint. She was originally appointed, if memory serves, because we had a we had a resignation. And the big conversation was, well, but she's from Lake Bluff. And I was like, who cares? So do not care. This has nothing to do with where your address is. If you're smart, capable, talented, and thoughtful, which Sally certainly is, at least that's been my direct experience, um, then it just works better. Um, when you start to kind of jurymander stuff, and you and you try to kind of create an angle, it becomes much more dysfunctional and now with you guys with the lake forest podcast you you have an awesome opportunity to extend those conversations above and beyond you know the initial 40 minutes or 30 minutes in somebody's living room and then the greater caucus now you can bring it to the greater community and anybody can listen
1: yeah i mean should those interviews be like what are the secrets you know it's if you're going to interview with the caucus, then why don't you come on the podcast and let the public hear what you have to say? I, 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 I don't understand that. Uh, the second thing I don't understand is, what's the process for getting the superintendent? How did he get hired?
0: Well, so typically, at least my direct experience, so Mike Simic was hired the year before I joined the board. Um, yeah. But I know they had a search committee and then I know they had a kind of, prompt. yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Here, here, hold on, John. You had a That's search not... committee. Why, why did we have a search committee?
0: <laughs> I, you know what, again, like I said, you came <laughs> on a year before I did. Yeah. Um, I, you know, there, there are some uh, Illinois state board of education kind of protocols and I may even go so far as to say rules. Right. okay so typically, you know, you try to calibrate the talent and, and, and this whole thing has become like, you know, college coaching extravaganza, right? The inelasticity yeah. of, of talent at that level has gotten crazy, right? Because it's, you can hire them and then they get stolen, right? Or yeah. in my case, you know, they decide to leave on their own and they go somewhere right. else. But the, the search committee things, I think, pretty dysfunctional. Yeah, actually, that's a little aggressive of a word. I just think it's not as transparent. Um, even when you're looking for principles,
1: right? Kind of where I'm going with it is interviewing people, recruiting is hard work. Okay, recency factor, halo you know, you got people that are just neighbors going in, and hey, I'm going to vote for that guy because I like that guy. Yeah, you know, and is that necessarily the best person, you know, for the position? Now I, Scoo, I know your thoughts are on you know if they want to volunteer that's good enough. I just don't understand why doesn't the caucus interview for the superintendent? well, well,
2: well I, I'm, not, I'm not saying let me clarify I'm not saying if you raise your hand, you're good enough. Uh, yeah. that's that's the first step up because it's so hard as you you know you both know how to you know in a ward, you know okay, we got to fill three spots. Well, we look at the resumes and all that, but there's not people banging on the doors. you know i want to do this it's you know it's right now it's kind of in my opinion it's like someone on the award says oh i know a buddy that wants to do it and it's a force feed okay all right i'll do it and you know is that person the right one but the people raising their hands those i mean get those guys in and gals in first and 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 treat them right but um i mean back to the school board i mean and the hiring process i mean i mean john you're familiar, very familiar with it, obviously, but all, you know, whether it's the city, whether it's the high school, grade school, they all want to kind of act and operate more like a business, but shouldn't there be a bullpen of candidates within the high school? I mean, there's an admin level that people want to strive to. Teachers want to go that route to get into the management level. I just can't believe we have to always go outside the community and find someone, when should we have that person in-house grooming behind, you know, to fill?
0: Yeah, I, I mean, the first thought that goes through my mind is Harry Griffith, right? That's kind of when we created kind of joint services and thought that, right. you know, we were solving a bigger problem locally, right? So Harry was the superintendent of 67, you know, they created an opportunity for him to be the superintendent over both districts, which by the way, I'm not a fan of necessarily, Uh, two completely different issues and requires different skills. So as you're nurturing kids through kindergarten or pre-kindergarten through eighth grade, that's a a whole different learning environment that requires time and attention of, I think one specific person. And then you get to the high school, it's much different. and it's different in the, the needs, the behavior, the socialization, um, you know, the the all kinds of you know the, um, emotional issues now, right? Um, and and that requires a different team. Um, but I think we used Harry because he was he was local, right? So in and he had a great relationship with a lot of people. Um, as people kind of reviewed that tenure, after he left and retired, then there was a whole lot of back and forth about, oh, wait, that wasn't a very good idea. And what do you you mean, Harry's driving his car over to the city lot to fill it up with gas for free, you know, that kind of stuff. Right. (laughs) Um, Which, you know, at the time may have been acceptable, this day and age, probably not, just because it doesn't look good or feel good for most citizens. And that you know, people's head explode when that kind of stuff happens. Right. And then it becomes really difficult to get to have the credibility and be back on track to have, you know, to sit on that dais at the board and and be somewhat respectable to, right. to the citizens. And, you know, I'll get off this in a quick second. Here's the biggest mistake from a board perspective is how poorly we, and I'll put myself at the top of that pyramid effectively communicated directly with the citizens of Lake Bluff, Lake Forest, and Melbourne. And that created a ton of stress for, for Mike Simic because he he didn't come from that school, right? And he didn't want board members, not that he didn't want board members talking to the community, but he did not want to create environments where we were trying to do that. And quite frankly, right. that's our number one responsibility. Right is for the parents and the families of those three communities that we serve. Um, But it was in direct opposition of Mike's management style, which was very much, you know, from a from a management administration standpoint, I think he was effective. I don't think he was a very good leader. Right. Um, So I think he did, you know, he did a nice job for the time he was here. but I think it was time for somebody new. So when he decided to leave, I think he created a, a new opportunity, right. um, but, do, but that's the tough, that's a really tough part right. about it.
2: But don't you think, I mean, for continually, I shouldn't say continually using that as it happens all the time, but a new principal, a new superintendent, it's always going outside as opposed to, I gotta imagine, well, I know a couple that are really good administrators that could fit that role and then have cohesion throughout the student base, the teacher base, and even maybe the community, but they seem to keep getting bypassed. And I always kind of wonder what that next step is if you decide to take the admin track as a teacher, as opposed
0: to staying in the teacher track. Well, and I think you just nailed it too, right? Because there are some really talented people that just don't go to the admin track, right? right? Because they they don't want the hassle. Um, The superintendent job is not easy. Right, right. The amount of time that you're spending after school hours necessarily, especially managing two boards, which I had to imagine was really tough for Mike, because you have two different constituencies, as I pointed out earlier, right? Which is why I think two different people could possibly be the answer. Right. Um, But you've got a lot of really great, effective um, teachers that just choose. Nope, not going to do it. It's just, it it's it's too much of a challenge, and and it's you know that creative tension it 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 uh, requires to think and act differently is is difficult for a lot of people.
1: Hmm. How do we how do we fix this stuff, guys? Any ideas? <laughs> well, this you is guys, a start,
0: right? You yeah. guys in the podcast. I don't keep I don't mean to keep ringing that bell for you, but but in keep without, without a baby these time. <laughs> yeah, thanks. without these kind of open communications where where it's truly a free form for people to kind of state, you know, their experience, their beliefs, what they see, what they feel, what they hear from neighborhood cocktail parties or parking lot after church, um, that that jump starts. Um, and we've, we've gotten away from that in the last two years with COVID, right, because we're not all socializing like we used to. Um, and it's just amazing to me, the information that floats around about what's happening that you hear. It's, it's the, you know, the quintessential telephone game. I had yeah. a couple of conversations last spring leading into the election and people are like, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. I'm like, well, that isn't happening. No, no, they're arbitrarily giving everybody a 6.8% increase in salary. I'm like, no, they're not. Well, no, I, I heard that yesterday. I'm like, okay, it's great that you heard it, but that isn't true. It can't be true, right? Here's here are the guardrails that prevent that from happening. And it's and it's people getting kind of misinformation, bits and pieces at a time, that creates this groundswell of frustration for a lot of folks, and then leads to, you know, kind of the emotion of of what's going on. I mean, I only caught a glimpse of it when we were hiring, you know, Shayla Holland as the principal. So I was I was in the middle of that and and felt privileged to have. Have the opportunity to hire Shayla. I was a big fan of hers, as you guys probably know from my yes vote. And I think her tenure was pretty successful. Um, but leading into that, you know, the, the community kind of took a, a completely different approach based upon, you know, all kinds of stuff that she had done in a very provocative way coming out of getting her master's degree and her doctor's degree and, and just her overall, you know, experience. So um you know, it's it, it's a Pete. I don't I don't know how you solve it, um, but but more dialogue more frequently is certainly a beginning. And then, Scoo, to your point, I, uh, you know, the the caucus should be able to identify uh, with help from everybody else in the community of of people that have a good resume, and then it's. <laughs> It's making sure that we're reaching out to those individuals, right. you know, respectfully and thoughtfully to say, look, we need you to volunteer. I mean, the big problem going back to when school, you and I were on the caucus years ago was, you know, there were a lot of guys on the caucus. And it took right. us two yeah. or three years to all of a sudden tap into all the talent that were working moms and stay at home moms that had been prior school teachers or you know, they were attorneys, they were business leaders, but they didn't feel as though they were qualified until they right. kind of stepped into the limelight and all of a sudden realized, oh, I could do this. Right. I, I could certainly help that, you know, be some well, volunteers.
2: And that was the, I hate to say the good old boy network. I mean, it was you and I weren't part of it, but that was the perception was that it's all guys on there until... Yeah you know, and the women, you know, basically not interested, you know, it's all, you know, I'm not going to go on there. It's all guys. And then when people said, screw it, I can do it. And then that's really when the eyes were open. But I guess Pete, my, my answer to that question is I've said it before is education. I mean, of course the caucus, that's your role as members of each ward is to educate your ward on what's going on. And nowadays with technology, they should be leveraging, leveraging that more and more to educate people on boards, Commissions, what they're about, and all that, and I think once that happens, it you lose those contested elections because you lose. Well, I always say utopia, but you lose those people that are going screw the caucus, or uh, they don't. They're just this, this way, and when they start educating and going, oh, well, that's what oh, I can do that, like you said, John, I can do that, and step up and
0: get an interview. The so one area where I started to see that change is from a District One Fifteen standpoint, right? There's there's various. Um, you know, like I ran finance and operations, right, from a committee standpoint, and we have an education committee. Those are board led and run committees. So for example, when I I had the privilege to do it, it was my meeting, my agenda, I ran it, we had those discussions. The superintendent was always there, but it was a board run meeting. So when when we would hire, hire, when we would reach out to citizen volunteers to be specifically on the education board, for example, um, that's where you can be very effective and drive, you know, what you want the curriculum changes to be in conjunction with the superintendent. But that's where the board has, you know, s- some some real staying power in terms of what do we want this curriculum to look like over the next eight years, right? If you think about incoming graduation classes, which is how I always did it, it was four-year blocks of time. Like, How are you going to influence those kids to be the best they can be? And in finance and operations, it was the same thing. But if you don't, if you don't dig into some of those details, I'll give you a very quick example. So driver's ed, Uh, you know, a burr in my saddle about driver's ed looking into the cost because it came forward, we need to buy two new cars. And I'm like, why are we buying two new cars? I'm like, why do we have cars anyway? Right. So I started drilling into it with Jen and the team to say, what are we spending on driver's ed? And I had the hypothesis that said, you can outsource the whole shebang to top driver. And I guarantee we'll probably spend 20% less than we spend doing it ourselves. Now, doing it ourselves has some cachet to it. It gives you some flexibility. You can manage it during school hours, during the school year, right? So depending when your, your kid's birthdays are, you can maybe take it during the school year. I wasn't that fortunate, number one, for one child and the other. what Didn't want to wait six months to get their license, right? So we did it privately. But as we dug into it, the data started to show up that what we were paying for a driver's ed instructor and the vehicles and all that. Could have very easily been outsourced as a service that would cost our community parents nothing. Right. So, those are the little things that, from a committee perspective, with the right talent, skew back to your point, betting the right people to do the job for the right reason. Now they have these, you know, you get a CFO or a retired CFO that understands how to dig into that. Because with 1,500 kids and a budget of almost $50 million. We all know that that's on the high side. And, you know, back to my inelasticity of demand, keep doing these tax levies where we all felt pressure. Well, should I do the full 2.6% or should I do 1.6%? You know, and, um, you know, the community deserves, you know, some kind of of slowdown on what that looks like um, because all the costs keep going up especially when our our student enrollment's going down. It's no different in colleges. You know, when you look at, uh, use University of Missouri, which is where I went and my kids went, you know, we have uh, for for 27,000 students, there's over 12,000 faculty in administration, which is crazy to me. And it's a fake economic system because it's flooded with cash that's readily available through loans and everyone drives up salaries and expands the number of, of administrators that are there. And before you know it, you know, you're paying $50,000 a year for, you know, for a degree. Or if you go to a more private or, or uh, you know, prominent school or university, it's twice
1: that much. Yep. Like I like that word outsourcing, John. Can't, can't the caucus outsource or the city outsource to a recruiting company? Have the caucus find the volunteers, put them through the quote unquote vetting process, because we keep hearing about vetting, but they're not really vetting. They don't even vet their executive board. You you can have people with arrest records on the executive board steering the whole committee. You wouldn't even know. Yeah. It, I'm, I'm sure there was a background check for the superintendent. Well, you know what?
0: It just, it, 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 I, I'd like to think there was, but, um, I brought, up a, I brought up drug screening one time and people's head exploded. I'm like <laughs> we're getting ready to hire a principal and we're not doing any drug screening. Well, I don't know if we can do that. I'm like, the hell we can't. You gotta be kidding me. We're gonna, we're gonna pay somebody $200,000, $250,000 yeah. a year to oversee Absolutely. our kids and we are drug screening. Every other big corporation does it. I was just gonna right? say. So, um, so I, I think, Pete, you're right, though. But I think it's, you know, back to my driver's ed education. Yeah. Right? Can you save money by outsourcing it as opposed to doing it yourself? So that's one issue. The other issue is do you lose control? Right. And I think control is a big issue within the school. People like being able to control kind of how things have unfolded. I'm not opposed, I'm not opposed to it at all. I know you guys talked about when when era ran for alderman and I think the third ward right? They made the decision to hire a campaign person to support him, which is certainly their prerogative. But, Scoo, your point was, well, wait a minute. Isn't that the purpose of the caucus? Why why would you do that? Um, and it takes people that are willing to ask that question right in front of everybody. You raise your hand. It's like, well, hold on. What the hell are we doing? Isn't that why we do the cocktail fundraisers that I've written all the checks for so that you have money to go help people campaign? Um, right. Sometimes we lose a little common sense, which is, which is. No, you're right. And I think, that, and I think that's
2: the, the fear and how the caucus has evolved is the fear every election of a contested, a contested election each time. I think that triggers, you know, but again, I always said, if, if you're vetting and doing everything right, getting people on boards and commissions, technically, you really shouldn't have a contested election, even if you do that candidate's not as powerful as the one that the caucus has brought forward and knows the issues knows everything kind of so to speak so i don't know i mean it's a yeah but Stu, here's
0: here's the difference right so you said the fear of the caucus right so here's the challenge is there's a whole bunch of people in town who don't really believe in the caucus and don't understand the caucus so they sit over here right and then when you run into a contested election All those people that don't like the caucus jump in, because that's my candidate, right? We saw it with Ted Mormon, my friend Ted, who I like and respect. Um, He spent way too much time on the board, I thought. So it was great that he, uh, you know, he didn't end up going for a third term. But Ted loved that independence aspect, even though he was a caucus representative. I think in his last election, but when he started, he ran he ran or he ran independently. Right. And we always, you know, we'd see him at the train station, we'd stand there together, and we had, we had, you know, very cordial conversations, but he loved that idea that he was the independent voice, right? And in his yard sign, all it said was Ted Mormon. So it was really easy for people to get, okay, I know who the independent person is, um, as opposed to the caucus slate. And then, you know, we've already talked about this. That's when you get into, okay, well, then we're going to put forth a slate, but you know, in reality, it, it it should be one at a time being properly vetted to come forward. Yep. And, and I think you, that's you that's hit the nail major. on the head right there. Yeah, it's a, certainly an area of opportunity to try to fix it.
1: That story's kind of crazy. I didn't even know it. He 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 started from the outside. Right. Then he did his four years, and then the caucus said, "You know what? We like. We it. thought <laughs> we thought you sucked uh, four years ago." <laughs> But now we that's really true. like you. Please come on board.
0: And, uh, those are Pete's words, not mine. Just <laughs> well, I, and,
2: and again, that that's kind of the MO, though. I mean, if there is a contested and someone does win or someone veal me opposes uh, an appointment or whatever, you know, the caucus then tries to backtrack and let's get that person on a board or commission to kind of reel them in. I mean, that's been done not just with school board and all that with Ted but other boards and commissions you know it's like okay that guy or gal
0: let's get around something yeah well and i also think it's it's who else is available right right so at the time when ted was up for reelection um, you know it was like hey we didn't really have that many candidates that were willing to step forward or do it so you know, he, he earned the opportunity to be a caucus candidate, which I thought, you know, which is perfectly fine. Right. Um, but, you know, it's eight years is a long time. I mean, the only reason I served one <laughs> term was when I had the opportunity to stay on. I just couldn't commit to another four years. I did, not, I did not want to be the guy that two years into the four year term resigned. And then it's a board appointed member. I felt very strongly that the community needed to elect the next board member, not because we ran through that a little bit, right? We had honey Edson moved out of town. So he had to resign. He moved to Libertyville. So he had to resign. And we had a board appointed person, which was Reese Markison, if memory serves. Mm. And then Reese, of course, got elected by the community. Um, And I think I alluded to Sally Davis might've been one too, based upon um, another resignation. Uh, So, You know it's it's got its own set of idiosyncrasies associated with kind of the rules of engagement and what you do um and you know it's it's certainly the more sunlight you shine on it the the more people understand what it's all about
1: how many people really care that's what i want to find out you got a mayor election with 2700 votes you have all this angst on social media and then you see the results. It's like, it doesn't make sense. I don't know. We're going to keep I, fighting to get. Yeah.
0: I think, well, so I, I think George is very well respected, right? George is, you know, he's my neighbor in full disclosure. I've known George the whole 27 years we've lived here. He and his wife, Peggy are, are great neighbors and great citizens. Um, George did the plan commission for a long time. So he's kind of, You know, he did the alderman step, So he kind of did a lot of stuff and he stepped away for a while. So he's a very known entity and and I think a calming voice to a lot of craziness. So to your point, Pete, a lot of people didn't come out and vote because he ran unopposed. He was the caucus candidate and he's he's an entity that people knew and and respected. So that makes it easy. You know, it'd be interesting to see, you know, when George decides to leave, then what the next person is and and how we go through that. Because it's going to be it's going to be a different point in time with a different pedigree or experience level. Um, And there. I
1: I think I think gender.
0: Yeah. Somebody may be driving. We want to have our first female mayor. Right. right? All you got to do is go in City Hall chamber and look there, you know. Right. Well, I,
2: I I think you know george is a,
0: like you said john
2: is a great example i mean it, the reason no one ran against him is because of his resume i mean mm-hmm. besides being a great person i worked on a subcommittee with him and all that but he's been through the system and alderman and went through all the ranks i mean there's not much you know if someone runs against him for example i i mean you're gonna get more people voting for him right but there's not many people that can say I know this this and this about the city and I'm raising my hand I want to be mayor so I think that's part of what George the low turnout of votes because people said he's great why even you know run out there and vote I know he's going to win that type of thing but you never know
0: until you get that contested right well and school as you know it took some persuasion too right they they came to George multiple times oh yeah <laughs> And he's like wasn't ready, too busy. He was, you know, he had a big time job that he was trying to manage through. And I think that that for me is the first litmus test. When you don't want it badly, right, you may be the right person, right. The people that are like, oh, 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 let me do it, let me do it. There, you know, there's always something underlying in terms of what they're trying to get accomplished or what they're. I don't want to say hidden agenda, which is kind of a loosely used term. Uh, That gets thrown around all the time, but it's certainly somebody that has, you know, I don't know whether it's ego, I don't know whether it's, you know, their ability to, you know, think that they can influence a lot more than they really can. But, you know, Lake Forest is very well run and financially in a great spot. Um, And and, and George, like you said, he, he
2: stepped aside after his alderman, aldermanic term and said, I'm kind of done but then was persuaded to come back. And I, I think he decided, you know what, I can add value to the city I love. And that's one of the big things,
0: I think, why he was elected. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's staying in touch with those guys, too. Right. The guys that have been mayor before and the people that have been aldermen before. I mean, that could very easily be a committee that can help vet you exactly. know, folks because they've done it. Right. Once you once you Uh, run the race, you can you've got a much different perspective.
2: That's a great idea
0: to fill people in. Right. And and again, back to my at the top of the podcast. Right. I think we're talking I talked about the talent in this community. I mean, it's unbelievable. The number of people (laughs) that serve on boards uh, that are retired CEOs or sitting CEOs, um, the women that are financial experts and cfos it would be really easy to put kind of an added clearing house if you will to help right. some of these candidates i'm not sug- suggesting that bypass bypasses the caucus but that could be a first pass before they go to the caucus right caucus That's is a- final <laughs> approval right um but when when you get folks like that that can sit down and say hey here's what you need to watch out for right
2: um, That's a great idea. It's not. It's not every every board and commission person. It's a select group: alderman, mayor, board, school board. Maybe those are the ones that that clearinghouse, as you said,
0: kind of takes a different look at after it goes through the caucus process. Yeah, and you'd like to think that could translate to superintendent, but Peta, you know, as you were talking about earlier, I don't. The roles and responsibility of a superintendent in running a high school is something none of us have really been exposed to, right? We've been high school students, but that, you know, heaven forbid, I use that perspective in my life to try to use it to select the superintendent. (laughs) Probably isn't going to be very healthy. It's such a different job, and it's an insider's job that, which is probably why we have this tendency to always go: if we can't find somebody in state or locally, I'm going to find somebody who's done it somewhere else, right? We have. or, you know, or sitting principal and superintendent. And I think right. we are both examples of that. You know, you you try to do the best you can, um, but it's such a unique skill set that it it makes it hard to do. Right.
1: Where's the best dessert in Lake Forest? You
0: um, all right. So I was always a big sweet guy. Um,
1: They're leading, by was, the way.
0: Beg your pardon. Okay.
1: They're leading the um, now, survey.
0: obviously, Bent Fork is not in Lake Forest, or Marie's mm-hmm. Bakery is not in Lake Forest. But just like Scoo had to point out, Il you know, Forno has a great pizza, which I agree. They can't be in the running. So, Sweets is good. In um, full disclosure, and you're going to hate me for this, but I gave up Sweets three years ago, so I haven't had a cookie since. God. So I'm not. Oh, uh, oh you yeah. runners. I can I can uh, I can help you with beer, alcohol, vodka, and tequila, um, but sweets is not really my thing. Wow. Fair
1: enough. Thing. Every Saturday, you run with that crazy Australian uh, Phil Gator. I don't.
0: We're we're in a uh, a much less impressive running group, um, which kind of is you know anywhere from three to six of us at any given time that go, we kind of go off at the same time, but uh, it's uh, it's much less impressive.
1: It's great. All right. John, we're going to bring you back, man. This is good. Finally, hey, somebody... You, so, anything so, I
0: can do to help. You guys are, somebody, I think, doing a great thing for the community. Thanks.
1: Well, somebody that sounds smart on the show, we need that. <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> That's So I said get them on. We need some smartness. <laughs>
1: hey, John, thanks for joining us uh, today. You
0: bet, Pete. Thanks, great man.
1: Great seeing you. Good to see have you. Merry Christmas. Month. Yeah, Merry Christmas. have a Mer- Merry Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, whatever. All of them. Go down. All of them. Thanks for listening to the Lake Forest Podcast. Please give us five stars on Apple Podcasts and smash that like button on Facebook, Instagram, and follow us on Twitter. Let us know what you'd like to hear about in the upcoming shows. Again, I'm Pete. I can be reached at Pete at LakeForestPodcast.com. The link will be in the podcast notes. We thank our Patreon sponsor, Shark Guy Beach Fishing is the premier South Florida beach fishing experience out of Longboat, Key, Florida. Their world-renowned captains not only put you on the fish, but they'll help you and your family make a memory of a lifetime. Check them out on Facebook or at SharkGuyBeachFishing.com and contact them today to schedule an outing. Shark Guy is your guy for your next charter. we also like to say thank you. To our Patreon supporters, Reverend Luke Back from the Church of the Holy Spirit, Matt A., Elizabeth B., Coastal Lance, and on behalf of my co-host, Sku Walker, don't forget Domo Arigato. Merry Christmas, everyone. Cue the music.